This is a strategic year for us as a church. Um, we are in the midst of uh, kind of uh, some planning and preparing. Uh, I went from last Sunday wearing a tie to this Sunday wearing hiking boots and a t-shirt, kind of because we're kind of exemplifying this as a year of we're as a church kind of in base camp, we're preparing for what is Mount Forward and, and what is ahead. And it's a strategic year with strategic planning, but it's also a strategic year for strategic preparing, and that's preparing of us and ourselves as a people. Uh, in January, I walked us through some of our new strategic framework and our mission and values and so forth with that and talking about those. And then after that, we, uh, we moved into this series on growing forward that we are still in. And all of this is connecting through this year with what's taking place because of, of if we are going to be a people that are about pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God, then we need to be a people that is living and uh, existing in a passionate pursuit of the radiant God, right? And if we are going to permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel, then the hope of the gospel needs to be permeating our lives uh, for the Lord. And so we're using this year as a preparing year to be that and to be a growing forward people. And so I began the series in February uh, by looking back. And if, if, we, if we don't understand where we live now, we're not going to understand what growing in Christ looks like. And so I began by looking back and talking about uh, created by God and placed by God and broken by choice. And yet, even in our brokenness, we are known and pursued by God. And then after that, taking a look at what's ahead because uh, what's going on now matters to what's ahead. And we took a month taking a look at uh, there's a time to die and there's a time to stand. And for those in Christ, there's a time to reign with the Lord for eternity. And then uh, here, just the last couple Sundays, uh, we had the blessed opportunity to go to the cross and to see the resurrection. And so we've, we've looked back, we've We've looked ahead, we kind of grounded ourselves at Easter and the cross and the resurrection, and now we're in this kind of point of we're, we're turning our attention to 10 Sundays on what does it look like to be a people living new in Christ? What does it look like to be a people growing and changing in Christ, living new? What is that? So just to kind of give you a little heads up, here's the plan for it. Today, uh, beginning this uh, latter part of this Growing Forward series and Living New, uh, it starts out, today is about made new. Uh, listen, living new begins with being made new. And if we aren't made new in Christ, living new in Christ is not even a possibility. It begins with being made new. And then uh, not only are we made new in Christ, but next Sunday we're called to new. It's not just about coming to Christ, but it's about coming into a covenant relationship with the Lord where our, life understand, our lives understand that we are called to new. And not only then are we called to new, but then the third Sunday is about equipped to new. Because sometimes we get in that place where it's like, okay, made new in Christ, called new, and then we get after trying to be the muscle it up people to make it all happen. And instead, God has equipped us to live new, and we need to understand that. And then after that, we're, we're gonna go into two Sundays of thinking new because the reality of the mechanics of living new starts up in our head and how we see life and handle life and 
process life. And then we're going to have five Sundays after that of living new and, and working that out in various ways, even a couple Sundays where it's just going to be about some examples of that. So we're, we're diving into that and we're going to begin today with made new. But before we go there, I just want to give a shout out and kind of a look at a favorite picture from last Sunday. I want to shout out uh, to you and uh, just I double up with what Jill had said earlier and just thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for loving. Thank you for caring. Thank you for coming alongside people. We were just under uh, 50, under 2,000 people uh, here in in facility last week. Just amazing thing and what God's doing there and, and, and what a joy and what a delight with that. And so I just, I'm grateful for you. Thank you for how you have loved on people so well. As far as a, a picture, um, I'll just say this, hashtag old, hashtag old uh, with this picture. Um, what was our word last week? Behold. So our, our now you're getting it. It's, Second service, okay, that helps me understand. You're going to get there. It's going to take a couple. Um, our word was behold, and our favorite resident photographer, I just, man, I love you creative artist people. He's just waiting for the moment when I get past the B, past the E, click, click, click. And uh, sometimes the truth really hurts. Uh, but it is that. So the, the Lord was at work. Um, well, after some laughing, uh, please open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Living new. And, and God, do a work here as we uh, lean into you and your word and, and the hope of you, right? Uh, Lord, do a work in our lives, I pray. A statement. Living new begins with being made new. Living new has a beginning. And living new begins with being made new. There is a made new reality that precedes a living new reality. Uh, there is no walking, without Christ, walking with Christ without first life in Christ. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. One precedes the other. Coming to Christ precedes walking in Christ. And that's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 doubles down on. A living new begins with being made new. Uh, read it with me. It's on the screen as well. Just Let's all read it together. Ready? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a... Wait, wait a what? Ooh, that's big. The... And the, yeah, four important words that I want to highlight out of this verse that's really driving force. And the first one is the word Christ. There is a Christ. If anyone is in Christ, Christ, that term is a title. It's not the last name of someone. It's a title. It, uh, it means Christos in Greek. It, it means the anointed one, the chosen one. 
In the Old Testament, it's the word Mashiach, Messiah. Uh, that is the same one, the, the, the Christ. Uh, what is the Christ? Who, who is the Christ? Here's how this is going to go today with all four of these words. Instead of me answering it, I'm just going to saturate all these with God's word and let's let God's word speak. And so we're going to do that. Uh, so if you would, would you turn your Bibles to Isaiah 7? Isaiah 7, that would be right about smack dab in the middle of your Bible. Uh, to the little to the right of Psalms, Isaiah chapter 7. As you're turning there, I'm going to begin here with Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3, we were there earlier in our series and are looking back and Adam and Eve sin and break covenant with God in the garden of Eden there in that. And the Lord said to the serpent, says to the Satan, you will bruise the heel of an offspring of the woman. You will deal one born of a woman, a temporary injury, but he will bruise your head. He will deal you a lethal wipeout blow. Listen, friends, before we even leave the chapter that tells us about sin coming into the picture of this God created world, before we can even leave that chapter, God already tells us that he has a redemption plan for the problem of sin. And in that, it includes one who is going to come that Satan is going to deal a bruising blow, but he is going to deal Satan a lethal wipe out blow. And that lays the groundwork for it, that there is a Christ. Isaiah 7, verse 14, it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, there's our word again, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name what? Emmanuel. What, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. By the way, not, not a very spiritual person with us. Not, not a, a, a spiritual guy on steroids with us. God with us. There is a Christ. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Look there. For unto us a child is born... To us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. What's the next one? Mighty God. Hmm. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Turn to Isaiah 53, chapter 53. I'm just laying out here. There is a Christ. What is this Christ? Uh, Who is this Christ? We'll get to here in just a, a second. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 7. It says, surely he, referring to the Christ, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his, to her own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, the Christ, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Look at the latter part of verse 12. He poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Turn to John chapter 1 in the New Testament, please. 
that we see in the Old Testament, this idea that there is one who's coming all the way back to Genesis 3. We're getting a fill out on what this is going to happen. One is going to be coming, one of God, one that is God. One is boots on the ground where he is going to come and he's going to bear our griefs, carry our sorrows. He's going to be wounded for our sins and crushed for our sins and so that we might be healed. John 1, verses 1, starting in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. Boy, that's Colossians 1 all over it. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was what? Life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at the latter end of verse 17. And truth came through Jesus Christ. If you're new to the Bible, again, Christ is not Jesus' last name. My name's Doug. My name's Doug Helmer. Uh, Helmer doesn't have any meaning, really, other than the fact that that's what comes from before. Christ has meaning. It is the anointed one, the chosen one. It is saying that Jesus is the Christ, the one that we saw in Isaiah, Genesis 3, and all throughout the Old Testament. He is the one. Look at John chapter 1, verse 41. Uh, Andrew, after meeting Jesus, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Oh my goodness, what a statement that is. That is the Christ. Turn to John 4. John 4, verse 25, we're at the well. Jesus is at a well with a Samarian woman who is there. And the woman of Samaria is at the well, and she says to Jesus, I know that the Messiah called Christ. Do you see how she understands how all of this has worked out from Scripture? I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. How amazing. The Christ, the Messiah, is right there in front of you, girl. I love it. And Jesus is loving on her and caring and speaking into her life when kind of no one else would. John 10. Turn to John 10. Beginning in verse 9. Jesus speaks. And Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he, she will be what? Saved. Saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Oh, and here's an important statement. And they follow me. They don't just have a date with me. They don't just have a moment with me. They don't just give me a shout out props with me. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them away from my hand. Listen to the last couple passages as I read them. Matthew 27, verse 54. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus were at the foot of the cross, when they saw the earthquake and what took place, 
They were filled with awe and said, truly, not only he said it, but they said, truly, this is the son of God. These Romans, this Roman centurion and others, they are making reference to what scripture has. And this is the one. And then John 20, verses 30 to 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these were, are written in the book of John so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. If anyone is in Christ, there is a Christ, one who would come, who would deal Satan a lethal blow. He would be Emmanuel, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the mighty God. He is the good shepherd, the door, the creator, the Messiah. He is the son of God, he would be born of a virgin, crushed by our iniquities. He would carry our sorrows. He would bear our griefs. He would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be oppressed and afflicted. He would be led to the slaughter like a lamb. He would lay down his life for his sheep. He would pour out his soul to death. He would hang on a cross. He would offer his life for that anyone who would put their trust in him, he would be the perfect intercessory one to cover their sin-cursed transgressions. There is a Christ. And if anyone is in Christ, there is a Christ, friends. And Jesus is that Christ. Word number two, old. <laughs> That's interesting. If anyone is in Christ, the new has come, the old has passed away. The old is talking about a spiritual condition. It's talking about the spiritual condition, as we'll see here in just a moment, of every human born other than the Lord. It is talking about the base reality of what is for you and me. Let's see that. Uh, turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 in the New Testament. I'll, as you're turning there, I'll add Isaiah 59, verses 2 and 3. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. See, sin separates but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness. Whoa, that's some bad news stuff. And then there's Jeremiah 17, nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Man, Doug, you're taking me down. Hey, here's the deal. If we don't understand truth, we won't understand truth. And we have to understand this old. Look at Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, and by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. 
For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they, so we are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools Doug is scripture calling us fools yeah it is it just straight up is on our own we are fools because we yearn after everything else but God thinking that everything else will somehow bring us satisfaction seeking after money and things and men and women and stuff and we seek after it and we seek after it and we make it idolatry we make it a God thinking that it will satisfy and it never does does it you gotta have just a little bit more Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is forever blessed. Look over at Romans 3. You're right there, Romans 3. It doesn't get any better for the moment. Romans 3, verses 10 through 12, none is righteous. No, not one. Just in case you're wondering, no, not one. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. Ouch. No one does good. No, not even one. No, but there's got to be one. You see, that's where we get foolish. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as I understand the word all, all means like all, me, and you, and the world. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, through Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin, the earned return for sin is separation from God. And listen as I read Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3 summarizes this up. And you were dead spiritually in your sins upon sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit is now at work in the sons and daughters of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Wow, that is a bleak view. And let me just add one more passage to help us understand the reality of what this brings upon us. Habakkuk 1.13, your eyes, God, are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. All have sinned. And we are guilty before a holy God and it is ugly. We have fallen 
We have earned the result of separation from God. Oh, Doug, is there any hope in this? Because I came and you're taking me down. Answer is, yeah, as ugly as the ugly is, as cool as the new is. There is a new. There is a new. Listen as I read a number of passages. You just take these in, okay? Genesis 3, 21, again, and when sin comes in, and, and the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. We just read right past that. Well, that's nice. They got some clothes for free. Hold it. We have the foundation of the good news that God has for us, that there is a God-provided, blood-shed, covering made available right there. It's already on it before we even get out of Genesis chapter three. Listen as I read these, Psalm 32, one. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Genesis three, against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. How can that happen? Psalm 56, 13, for you, O God, have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling that I may walk before you in the light of life. From separation to walking before you in life. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, Jesus says, come to me, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Oh, might heavy laden be the reality of sin upon sin before God? Yeah. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, see, oftentimes we're looking for rest with our calendar. And we're looking for rest with our finances. And we're looking for rest with relationship conflict. And the first and primary, primary rest that we need is rest in our soul. And God says, I'm there. I can make that happen. Come to me. And then the field goal verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, would believe in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. But oh, so often we forget to go to verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might have the provision of salvation through Christ. John 10, 10, and Jesus said, I am the door. Anyone hears me and enters by me, he, she will be Saved. Saved from what? Saved from the old. And I will go in. And I, they will find pasture with me. The thief, you see, only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, that they may have life. It's not forced upon life. It's available life. Galatians 4.4, 4. but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of the woman, uh, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law to be adopted as sons and daughters. Hey friend, have you been adopted by God? There's an adoption reality. Do you have the adoption papers signed? 
because they are there and they are waiting for your signature if you would so choose. In Ephesians 4, or 2, verses 4 through 10, but God, here we go, but God rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him. Uh, Easter, hashtag. And he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith and this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works. Hey friend, if you are trying to earn your way to God's favor, you can how much earning is necessary. In fact, scripture says right here, you can't. It's by grace. Grace is something that is undeserved. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous Christ for the unrighteous us, that he might bring us to God. 1 John 5.11 through 12, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life, he who does not have the son of God does not have life. Do you understand what that verse is saying? It is saying that there are those who have the Lord and have life, and there are those who don't have the Lord and don't have life. The provision is made available, but it is not automatically applied to everyone. There is a new Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new has arrived. The new has begun. The new has a starting point. By the way, it's a new creation, not a new revision. It's not a go through a car wash thing. It's a new creation. It's not an upgrade. It's not a buy an Amazon refurbished product. It's not that. It's a new creation. God makes it new. How does that happen? Uh, I'll illustrate that here in a little bit. Uh, three words, Christ, old, new, and the fourth word, if. You see that in the text? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. The new is made available to all, but yet the new includes an if. And the old passes away when the if happens. Let's say there's a, a, a new remedy, a, a new antidote that 100 positively percent, uh, I don't know if I said that right, <laughs> provides for no cancer ever to have happen. And we are notified of that. We are told of that. Let me turn it this way. That provision has been made and we go, cool. Question, when does it become applied to you? Answer, when you go get it. The fact of it does not mean that it is applied to you. Uh, listen, if anyone
one is in Christ. There is an if. Uh, Exodus 12. We're in the time of the plagues. You know, Pharaoh, let my people go thing. Uh, We're in the time of the plagues. Let me read to you and you listen. The Lord said, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses. And your lamb shall be without blemish, a male year old. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat of it. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I, the Lord, see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you or destroy you. Oh, do you hear the shout? in that? Shall means it's not done unless you decide to do it. You see, God made the provision. This is how when I bring my judgment, when I bring my judgment and I'm going to unleash my judgment, if you have gone and painted the blood of a lamb over the doorframe of your house and when I pass over and I see the blood of the lamb applied to your house, the provision that I've made and you've applied it, I will pass over and not bring my judgment upon. Oh, friends, the gospel is all over that. By the way, can you imagine that night? When God's judgment is passing over and you have applied the blood. Question, where is your faith being put right now in this moment as God's judgment is passing over? Is it in the God will pass over because you know what? We're a pretty good family. You know, because I'm a pretty good individual. I'm 51% better than more moral than most people. God will put, no, you are sitting there and you are going, oh dear God, I pray the blood works. That's faith. The faith is in the blood of the lamb applied to the house and God is passing over and all of your trust is in that blood that has been paid for and put on your house. Listen, John chapter one, verses 10 through 14. He was in the world, Jesus, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Romans 10, nine and 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are just justified. It, it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. First John 5, 11 through 13, and this is a testimony that God has given eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. Revelation three twenty. behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you will open the door, I will come in. But I'll just add to the text, you don't have to, and if you don't want to, I'll stay out of your house. Revelation 20, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. 
Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books. And if anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he, she, and I hate to say this, was thrown into the lake of fire. I wouldn't want that for you. I wouldn't want that for me. This is not a hellfire and brimstone sermon. This is a, if you have not come to Jesus, oh, please, might you? Because the provision has been made. The question is, is what are you going to do with the provision? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this, verse 18, is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Living new begins with being made new. And let me close with this illustration. There is an old. There is an old, and that old is unrighteousness and unholiness and, 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 and sin-cursed and... and uh, That is me. That is me. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is the reality of my condition. That is the reality of your condition. You and I have sinned against God. We don't even need to add up how many times because it's irrelevant. The fact is we have sinned before a holy God and we are guilty standing before a holy God and your eyes are too pure to look on evil as a holy God and you cannot tolerate wrong. And therefore that puts me, that puts you in a predicament of a situation. And so how do we oftentimes think about it? Well, you know, we think, well, you know, I, I, I go to church. In fact, I'm here at church today and that's a cool thing. Or, or we think in it that it's like, you know, I'm, I'm fairly moral. I, at least I try and be moral with my life. I'm probably 51% more moral than most people. And that's good enough, isn't it? Yeah. Good luck with that one. You know, I even, Doug, I'll even tell you, I even read the Bible at times. In fact, the other day I read the Bible. In fact, here in church today, I actually read the Bible here and, and I read the Bible. And, and Doug, you know, I, I try and I don't want to cover up those old other ones. Uh, God, Doug, I, I seek to love people. And, and I genuinely, I, I, I want to love the Lord and I kind of want to be a, a good person. And I actually at times pray. Uh, and especially when I'm in need and, and I pray and, and I'll even top all of that. Doug. I actually uh, give, I do some giving. I give in my finances. I give some of my time to people and, and I do, hey, but do you notice something in all of that? None of those have covered up the core problem. None of those have covered up the core problem. For by grace you are saved through faith and this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works. None of that is covered up. You, you see, there is a new though, and that new has been made available through the work of Christ. And by the way, I, I'm purposely holding it like this right at the moment, because in this, I can know about that, but let me say something. I can know about that and be aware about that and even tell you the story of that, but the fact of the matter is, is I still have an old problem. Just the fact of knowing about that, even believing that that might have happened in all of that, doesn't mean that that has been applied. You see, there comes a point in time where as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, 
I can get this blasted thing. Sorry, Lord, for saying that about. When I was seven years old, all I knew was this. This is all I knew at seven years old, that I was a sinner separated from God and Jesus had come and made provision to cover my sins. And at seven years old, I still remember that day when I prayed and I received Christ. Oh, the old is gone. The old has been covered. By the way, not in a see-through covering. You can read the label on the Avery sticker. You can't see through it. I have been covered, not because of anything I have done, but because the work of Christ has been received and applied. Do you have such a story? Do you have a time? Or do you just know about? Are you dating Jesus? Are you just playing with Jesus? Are you just acknowledging Jesus? Are you just giving him props? Or has there come a time in your life where you've fallen before the Lord and received Christ as your savior? And if you don't, oh friend, oh friend, oh friend, oh friend, today. And here's the thing, I'm not gonna have you walk an aisle. I'm not gonna have you raise your hand. I'm not even gonna say, here's a prayer and you pray it back because I want for it to be you in the Lord. And here as we close in prayer, if there has not been a time in your life where you've driven the stake in the ground and you've received the work of Christ, today is the day. And you just walk through what I just did on my shirt. And Lord, cover me. Oh, by the way, made new. Oh, next week, called to new. And what comes out of this is equipped for new. And out of this comes living new. We're going there. We're getting there, but it starts right here. So Lord, I pray right now you would be at work in this room. Maybe there are some in here who are at this place to where they're trying to just bring together. What do I do with this? What do I do with this? What do I do? With this? Oh God, I would just ask that they would humble themselves and confess and repent and receive. Goodness, sometimes we can be funny about this. God, might we just be humble and acknowledging today is the day I drive the stake in the ground. On this day where the guy stuck stickers on his shirt, this was the day when I became new before your eyes. Or do a work in this room. Draw, bring, make new. Amen.